Stroll Buzz Group Get the Buzz. Thank you for joining the Stroll Buzz Group Get the Buzz podcast once again as we continue to give you a quick look into the lives of people with a learning disability living in Northern Ireland. Hopefully our podcasts are beginning to show our listeners that people with a learning disability all want the same things in life as everyone else. This might be getting paid work, finding love, socialising, joining in sport and for some people this might mean living independently in their own home. However, everyone's lives are different and so in this podcast we're going to take a look at what it's like to live in a supported living home of your own. Joining me again today is John Paul, a member of the Straw Buzz Group who lives in supported living in Oma. So hello, John Paul. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for joining me again. Also with me today is someone that you haven't met on our podcast before, and that is another John, who is a volunteer for the Straw Buzz Group and also works for a supported living service as a support worker. Hello to you, John. Hello. So that we don't get too confused by your names being so similar, just for today, maybe John Paul, I'm going to call you JP, is that okay? Right, no problem. Okay. John, our volunteer, recently filmed the Straw Buzz Group at their 21st anniversary quiz, which went very well. Uh, making promotional videos is something else that John manages to fit into his time. I don't think John probably gets much time to sleep with all the things that he does. So we're very grateful that he volunteers for the group. John also worked for a while in the supported living home where John, John Paul, sorry, JP lives, <laughs> so they can't get away from each other. So let's start by talking to JP. So um, on a previous podcast, you talked a little bit about the supported living service that you live in. Yes. Um, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about the building that you live in, for instance, how many other adults live in the same service as you? Well, I live in the Dublin Road. And I live with two other co-tenants. And it's actually a four-bedroom house. I've been there since about eight years now. So, JP, you're supported by support workers when you need help to do all your day-to-day things like shopping and housework and sometimes social activities. Would that be right? That's correct, Louise. Okay. And did you move straight from your family home to where you live now? Well, I lived in Oma for about 21 years so I've moved I've been in, living in Oma since 2002 I lived in supported living I was referred by my social worker um, I actually went for a couple of nights to stay in it because the the park was being built with the house the rest of the houses and uh, I lived with two other fellas then uh, I left for a while in 2002 and then went home for a while and then I moved back in 2003. Right. Uh, I stayed there to 2007 and then actually moved out on my own and independent living, but still have some support around an old minefield road. And then um, I was there from 2007 to 2015. So eventually I got depressed and took me a while to, to be convinced of moving into supported living again because they talked about it before. So is that why you moved into where you live now? Because you said that you were depressed. And is that is that why you wanted to move in with other people? Well, I did find it lonely at night as I got through the years. But then it was my mum found out about it. And she got in touch with the manager. And I went down to meet her. And she talked to me over the service. And then she came out one day to see what she read up in my notes and my communication book and my files and all. And my home, and then I started moving on the 23rd 
of March. This is John Paul's photographic <laughs> memory. John Paul can remember everything. I had me ups and downs in the Dublin Road over a year, like everybody does. <laughs> so you you enjoy living with other people? I do, yes, I do, yes, I do. And what sort of activities would you get up to during a week? What sort of things do you do? Well, I actually go to a drama on a Monday night. And then I used to be on a Tuesday Butterlow Farm. It's a farm down in Plumbridge, outside Plumbridge, that takes people on with mental health and depression to do courses on farming mm-hmm. and like um and, and allotment work, you know. So you'd have quite a busy life, wouldn't yes, you? Yes, I, I did a qualification and um and, and was very, very good. And and that's what supported living should be about, shouldn't it? It should be about you being able to mm-hmm. live your life and do the things you want to do. Yeah. Um I'm just going to ask John some questions now. That's right. So, John, I believe you are originally from Nigeria. Yes. So yeah. I'm just wondering how you actually came to be living in Ireland. It's obviously a bit of a change, a bit far away. Yeah, quite a bit. When I was in Nigeria and Africa, I was a practicing journalist. I, was, uh, I worked both in the print media and broadcast media. I was uh, an associate editor. So eventually I moved from there to broadcast media with the Nigerian Television Authority. And uh, but it got to the time that uh, I had to come to Republic of Ireland for a postgraduate program. So okay. I came in here, lobbied here, and uh, was privileged to have uh, been granted uh, citizenship by naturalization. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy and I uh, was in Dublin for about almost uh, over 12 years and uh, before moving to Northern Ireland and I like it here too. Yes. So it's a it's um, a big change in your life because I know that when I moved to Northern Ireland from England 24 years ago, there were lots of little things that were different. Apart from the lovely Irish weather, can you remember the sort of things that you found most strange or most different when you first moved to Ireland? Can you remember what stuck out in your mind about what... The first thing I noticed was because... In Africa, we see Irish like a, a holy country because the knowledge of Ireland that we know in Africa is the priests and the Catholic right. Church. Right. So we were always looking forward to seeing Ireland like a, a holy country because of the influence of the Catholic priests and the Catholic churches. They build many schools and there's hardly any African that didn't pass through a Catholic school, it's, either yes. primary or secondary. So the opportunity to go to Ireland was exciting for me. But surprisingly, when I came, I saw most people in the pub, not in the church. <laughs> so yes. I said, is it the Irish that we were hearing? I know. I didn't know that uh, Guinness is from Africa, uh, Ireland until I came here. Right, Because right. we never aggregate drink or anything like that with Ireland. Because most times, the what we know in Africa will be the priests. And they did a marvelous work. And Great you know, people. the fact that obviously there's strong Protestant religion here as well, it is a very religious country, yeah. and I think that really helps with community here. Yeah. That maybe you don't get other parts of the UK, you know, there's, yeah. there's much yes. more kind yes. of community yes. spirit. Yeah. Absolutely, Ireland. absolutely. That's something yeah. I would have yeah. noticed, yeah. you know, yeah. when yeah. I moved yeah. here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, John, can I ask you, when you first came over to Ireland, did you start off working as a support worker or what did you do when you No, came I over? was with uh Machansky in Dublin will be a centre uh, for drug addicts and the homeless people, drug abuse. Mm. So Machansky was where I started from and uh, 
I was also with the Compassion Center. Mostly my work would be with the homeless and drug addicts in Dublin, and I enjoyed it. And then when I came into Northern Ireland, I work also with Mencap, mm-hmm. and now with Positive Features, uh, which is uh, looking after people with learning disabilities. And, you know, listening to you talking, it just goes to show that support workers come from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds. Sure. We don't sure. really think about that when they're coming in to do that work. Yeah. But yeah. I'm assuming probably when you were working with homeless people before, there were probably people with learning disability. Yeah, there, there are too. people with learning disabilities there. There are people who have uh, dementia and different different types of people within the homeless yeah. uh, community. And, and I enjoyed it and uh, it, it is quite good, quite interesting. It is very interesting. It's like a subject for another podcast, I think. Yeah, it will be. um, (laughs) We just move back to JP. So JP, without giving us any personal information, what kind of things would you ask a support worker like John to help you do? You know, what sort of things would you need help with when you're at home? I do most of my room myself, but I would ask staff to help me. But I, I get them to, they do help me, and they help me with cooking and laundry. And um, I would do the laundry myself, but they would help me how to set the wash the wash machine and what co- don't mix colours of clothes in the washing machine mm-hmm. and change my bed and put new sheets on and do a further clean out because there was a lot of clutter (laughs) and so say if you were i'm not asking you to tell me any information about it but if you're upset or annoyed about something can you talk to the support workers about that will they chat to you about things sometimes i I, if i had a problem with that i generally would go to them yeah and you'd trust them i would trust them and they would be in line with confidentiality as well. Mm-hmm. And do you find it helpful to talk to them? Do they help you kind of work things out in your head? Sometimes? Yes. Uh-huh. Like what you tell them is generally confidential, but unless if it's something serious or if you were harming yourself or somebody else or if you were in danger to yourself or so- someone else, then they have to they have to tell the manager. So... Would it be right to sort of say you can do a lot of things yourself? Sometimes you just need reassurance that you're doing things right? Uh, yes, uh-huh, and reinsurance. And actually, like, say, for example, um, um, if I wasn't sure how to do something, like how to cook things and that, mm-hmm. I'd usually get ready meals and put them on. But I, I should learn how to cook a bit more because when my last supported living, I made chilli con carne and stuff, cooked the stuff from scratch so what do you think life could be like for people with a learned disability living on their own if they didn't have support workers i think it would be very very difficult feel like they're more of a friend to you support worker yeah i would as social workers all right but they're fine they do their job but it's about uh, keeping the boundaries and that so John, I know that you often have to work quite long hours, like work Christmas days, weekends and nights, and it's quite tiring for you. So I'm just wondering, what does make the job worthwhile to you? What What is it about the job that's good? It's the compassion. It's the, the humanity part of it, because you are supporting people who are vulnerable, most people who would not be able to do certain things for themselves, some of them don't have capacity. And so they depend on us to do so many things. And when you see how you are able to touch lives and how you are able to support them and make them happy, 
is the, the strength of the work. And uh, I have a particular person that I know who have gone through a lot of uh, negatives in life and drug, a lot of uh, tragedies. So we've been in a situation where we can help such people, yeah. where we can you know, stand with him, where we can support, where we can give strength, mm -hmm. where we can give hope, where we can lift up such person is, 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 is the motivation. This work is not about wages. It's about touching life. And it's that's about the a compassion. lovely, lovely so, way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm sure yeah. there's lots of... If, I, if you do it for wages, you'll be frustrated yourself or get depressed yourself. Yes. Because it's challenging. They are unpredictable. So you, you, whatever you are doing at the moment, at any time, any given time, you know that I'm here to support this person to, to live. So the next thing I was going to ask you, and I think from hearing that, I know the answer to it already, but do you feel that the support worker role should be valued more? Do you think it's undervalued? Do you think people should appreciate it more? Yeah, maybe people don't really know um, what we do. Uh, maybe if people know what they will appreciate it more because it, it can be mentally draining sometimes. Mm. Yeah. And that's like a family member, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, Everybody's yeah, like that yeah. in a family. You yeah. don't know someone <laughs> might be in a bad mood that day. And, yeah, um, and you want to work with someone for about eight hours and or even including sleepover, and it's not a, in good mood, you must be ready to go through that. Yeah. Uh, if people know much more, what support worker does, they will appreciate it more. And the wages might be a bit higher. Uh, I think <laughs> yes. something needs to be done about that as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's true that support workers make a big difference to a lot of people in society, um, and we would be lost without them. We can see the effects on people when they don't have that support, you know, what a difference it does make to their lives. And it's not just people with a learning disability that need that support. You know, it might be mental health or it might be the elderly or what have you and they they still need that support um so you can see the difference it makes when it's not there and ah. you can see the difference when it is there to ah. someone like john paul yeah. so there's so many little things in life that everyone needs help with like paying your bills and making your own dinner a lot of us take that for granted and don't understand that some of us need some help and john paul you mentioned cooking do you cook yourself uh, yes, I do. But um, if I'm if I'm making something like the the staff would put on spuds and, and carrots and that, and then we would make her have her own like pie or something with it. So is that for dinner tonight or what are you make? Well, for I, I don't know. I'll have to see when I go up. I made a right. fish or something like that. Do you have a speciality dish that you like? To uh, well, <laughs> what do I like? I like shepherd's pie or or uh, quiche would be one of my favourite. And do you ever cook for the other people in your house? Do you? We would share the potatoes and the pool stuff. We buy pool stuff, like potatoes, for all of us. So you could do your own version of come dine with me in the house? <laughs> well, yeah, if you want to say that, you can do. Um, John, have you ever watched that TV programme, Come Dine With Me? No. Um for anyone who's never watched the programme, like John, it's kind of a competition where a group of people take it in turns to cook dinner for each other each night over the course of a week, and then they score each other on their cooking. So, John, if you were doing Come Dine With Me, what would you put on your menu? You have to do a starter, a main course, and dessert. A starter for me would be chicken veg soup. Right. Or chicken wings. I love that. Mm-hmm. And the main course would be 
Uh, Putting you on the spot, hey? Didn't think you were going to have to answer a question like that. Maybe something like a, a steak sandwich, mm-hmm. you know, or salmon, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, with veg. Healthy, yes. Yeah. So those are the kind of things I would. And what about cook. dessert? Dessert like? of uh, ice cream. Yes. Yeah. Banana ice cream or chocolate ice cream. Or, Can't like, go wrong yeah, there. Yeah. What about you, JP? What would go on your come dine with me menu? I'd like a roast, roast potato and I'd like maybe, I know it's a bit Christmassy, turkey and ham and sausage. Or I could have chicken with gravy and roast potato and potato. Um, if there was chips in hand, I would take it, but I know that wouldn't be it. Um, I would take a probably soup for the st- starter. I love soup. So you and John would be competing each other? Yes. Uh, and what about dessert, John? JP, what would you have? I like... Uh, <laughs> you put it into my head now. <laughs> uh, apple crumble and custard. Um, or chocolate fudge cake or that. So John John knows you then from being in the house. Yeah. Um, apple crumble. Yeah. Um, my speciality dish is probably beans on toast. Uh-huh. I said to my husband recently that I thought my taste buds were dying because I was losing my sense of taste. And he told me that I had murdered his taste buds <laughs> All right. cooking. So don't think anyone will be coming to my house. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, John, would you like to try JP's cooking? Yeah, why not? Yeah. But maybe JP will invite you around some night if you have time. That would be cool. If yeah. you ever have time, John. <laughs> that would be cool, but, yeah. But, um, well, I think we've come to the end of our podcast once more. Thank you both for coming in to tell us a bit, a, a little bit about your lives. And I hope it sort of helps people to understand a little bit about what it's like to live in supported living, what it's like to work there, what it's like to live there, why it's important, you know, that we have support workers. So, JP, going to go straight away now and go and get your dinner started? Uh, yeah, I would. I would start about maybe about five or half five, ready before six. Very good. And, and John might get a chance to have his dinner at a reasonable time tonight because you're not working today. So, sure. for a change. Yeah, uh, yeah, but, hopefully. Um, <laughs> but thank you for joining the podcast today. It's a pleasure. Um, so, just one thing left to say, which is goodbye from me and goodbye from JP. I goodbye from me and you're welcome. Thank you. And goodbye from John. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. <laughs>